0: you got to admit, isn't it incredible how our Lord's words are so timeless that he says these things? And this is 2,000 years ago. We think of 2,000 years ago, most people think of cavemen running around. You know, it's amazing how our Lord does this. And one of the most of the misunderstood teachings of him is this one. Because we have to understand as Christians... We do not judge the person. That is what Jesus is saying here. You do not judge the person. Only God judges the person because only God knows the heart. And one of the major factors that goes into whether somebody is culpable or responsible for their actions is their intent and free will and what's in their heart. We, however, are called to judge actions. This is called the truth. The actions that we are to judge are to follow the moral law, the natural law, the Ten Commandments, the laws of God. It's actually a work of mercy. What is, Father? Admonish the sinner. But let's talk about that for a moment. So first of all, we're not contradicting what our Lord said. We don't judge the person. Nobody's talking about judging the person. We are talking about judging actions, first and foremost, our own. This is what you do in a daily examination of conscience. You go through your day and you judge your own actions. Boy, you want to do something humbling, do that twice a day. We do it at noon and as we go to bed. And man, I got to be careful because sometimes it gets really discouraging. (laughs) Lord, am I making any progress here? Um, But anyway, the third spiritual work of mercy is admonish the sinner. It's the third one. All of the works of mercy concern what? The well-being of your neighbor. So if all the other things we are called to do in the spiritual works of mercy, counsel the doubtful, instruct the ignorant, they have admonished the sinner. It's to help your neighbor, or it wouldn't be in there. All right? Are you your brother's keeper? Remember Cain, when the Lord asked him, where's your brother? He says, am I my brother's keeper? And we think of ourselves, well, I'm glad I'm not that person. Are you your brother's keeper? Yes. Yes. The soul of your neighbor and your loved ones are very much your concern. Jesus told St. Faustina the salvation of thousands of souls depended on her. Now that's a very challenging statement because when I first read the diary 15 years ago, 20 years ago, it almost caused me to reject this whole divine mercy thing. Wait a minute, she's not God. How could the salvation of souls depend on her? That's not what Jesus meant. He meant that these souls, his grace are what are gonna save every soul, the redemptive act of Jesus. But if they don't cooperate with your grace, or with his grace, and there are millions who fall in that category, then the last opportunity is for our prayers to help them. Now, what do we mean by this? Know this is something extremely important. We need to know it in our faith. Um, You don't need to know everything about your neighbor or your loved ones. You don't need to know. You are concerned. You are their keeper, meaning to get their soul to heaven, help them. But it doesn't mean you're their master or that you have to be involved in who they're dating or what they're wearing. Uh, But you actually have a moral obligation to help them to get to heaven. Remember the three objectives of marriage? Unitive, procreative, and get your spouse to heaven. All right. Don't try this, though, without first getting your own house in order. This is what Jesus is saying here. The splinter in your own eye first, right? So invoke the Holy Spirit. Now, you can help them by prayers, fasting, penances. We just read Aloysius Gonzaga was well known for his penances. That's a great way to help your neighbor. Acts of charity, loving correction, You know, people think that not correcting somebody is charity. It's actually the opposite. When you correct someone, it is out of charity as long as it's out of love. Love and charity are the same. So it seems to run against our society's view of not being judgmental. Everybody's being judgmental now because you say, a fact of truth. The dignity of human life starts in the womb. You're judgmental. Cancel, cancel culture. This is insanity. That's called the truth. And helping educate people to that truth is a work of mercy. Instruct the ignorant. If somebody doesn't know that life starts in the womb, our job is to instruct the ignorant. Not ignorant in a degrading way, I'm ignorant about all kinds of things. I'm I'm ignorant about how you sew a dress. I have no clue how to sew a dress. Absolutely none. I'm ignorant in that way. It's not degrading, it's just the fact. So if somebody wants to teach me how to sew a dress, which I've got other things I have to do, but I'm being instructed As an ignorant person, I don't rebel and say, you're discriminating against me because I'm a man and and you're talking about a dress, which is for a woman. This is discrimination. That's insane. So let's continue here. To run this against what our society teaches today is quite well seen now. But you know what? Even though it runs against what our society says, don't be judgmental, Jesus was judgmental. Not against the person he told the adulteress, Nobody condemns you. But Jesus loved without accepting the sin. He judged the sin. What did he tell the lady? Go and sin no more. The very word repent is an admonishment. And this is what Jesus's and Mary's message is in all of the apparitions. It is a sin to go against God's will. So basically, Jesus rebuked Peter when Peter went against his will. When Peter said, no, Lord, you're not going to Jerusalem. I won't let it happen. What did Jesus say to Peter? Poor Peter. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Whoa. Somebody who stands in the way of God's will, even Peter, is Satan. So if we're not doing God's will, we're right in that category category of what Jesus described to Peter as Satan, not meaning that he himself is Satan, but it means who's not for me is against me. This is important. It's not being against a thing contrary to our own opinion. It's about being something contrary to God's opinion, God's will, God's law. And silence is consent. If we're not standing up for the truth, The dignity of human life, the sanctity of marriage between a man and a woman, the preservation of religious liberty. If we're not standing up for that, our silence is consent. And this is the message of our Lord. Admonish does not mean unload on somebody to be self-righteous or pharisaical. Correction must be constructive and done in love, given in charity and under control. This is where most mistakes are made, screaming at each other, condemning each other. You're going to hell. We see it on the online comments all the time. You Catholics are going to hell because you worship Mary. No. And so we have to, and I've seen it the other way too. I've seen Catholics on our online stream and Protestants will come in and make a comment and tell them they're going to hell. No, this is not our place to judge. That's what Jesus means that we don't judge our neighbor. That's his job. But we do judge the action. The action is to follow his will. Now, correction or correcting in love is not the same as judging. Our world today confuses this and misses that. I am not judging that a person's soul will be condemned if they do or don't do something. That's God's job. All right, I'm not judging that person's soul by warning them that their actions, though, are contrary to God's will. That I am called to do. Not condemning them, just giving them church teaching with love. We must be intolerant and judgmental of things contrary to the will of God. Right? This is where people stop short. They condemn us Christians saying we're hatred. I just read this article this morning that the UN is putting together a team of experts. Can you get this? The UN of all places is putting together a team of experts to condemn the Vatican for its position on abortion. To criticize the Vatican's position on abortion that it is needed, and that it is a woman's right. So the Vatican experts are going right at the heart of the Catholic faith and condemning it. That's judgmental. But yet, nobody views it that way. All right, yes, God loves us. We must absolutely love the sinner, hate the sin, And God loves you, but he loves you too much to let you stay in the state of sin. I want to finish by giving a five steps by a Father John Corrigan. These caught me earlier last year when I came across them, and they stuck with me, and I want to share them with you. He gives five steps regarding being judgmental or not being judgmental that I think are very powerful. Let me read them to you. Father John Corrigan says, first, admonish yourself, humility, he said, get the splinter out of your own eye first. And he said, just what I did, examine your own conscience every day. See where we're making our mistakes, where we're doing things. Remember the, our prayer for what I have done and what I have failed to do. Now, he says, go to confession. Before you can talk the talk or before you talk the talk, make sure you walk the walk. So first step, admonish yourself. Secondly, he said, only admonish close friends and relatives. I found this interesting. Is there anything that puts us off more than somebody we don't know who criticizes us? That really puts us off. We just meet somebody for the first time and they're like, oh yeah, you're this guy who does this or this or that. And you're like, you don't even know me. And so he makes a great point. He says, only admonish close friends and relatives. Jesus admonished Peter, right? Don't admonish casual acquaintances. He said, your admonishment has to have authority. So make sure anyone you admonish it knows you love them first, or it's not going to work. And a casual acquaintance, they don't know you love them. They don't even know you. So it's very important. Give gratitude encouragement more than correction. That's powerful. All right, number three, don't sweat the small stuff. He went to uh, Saint Escriva, Jose Maria Escriva, who said, do not say this, that person gets on my nerves. He said, rather say this, that person sanctifies me. Remember, because those who annoy us can be a way for us to grow in patience. Admonishing is only called for in the case of substantial sins and defects, which are causing real harm, not just things that annoy you. So you should not take from this homily that, you know, I really am annoyed because my husband takes this route to the grocery store. And I like this route. And I bet you if you time them, they're probably exactly the same but you get really annoyed at your wife or your husband because they take this route to the grocery store and you really want to take this route. Saint Jose Jose Escriva, Jose Maria Maria Escriva says, no, no, no. Save your correction for the big stuff. Not this little stuff. I think that's very good. Four out of five, pray on it. If we propose to imitate our Lord in his correction of people, we must also imitate his habit of prayer first. Should we admonish at all? Is it out of charity or is it out of envy? Is it out of charity or is it out of vengeance? Is it out of charity or is it out of pettiness? Why do we want to admonish? Why do we want to correct? If the answer is anything other than charity, Abort the mission, he said. And finally, admonish a person in private. Now, this was tough because I came from a workplace in automotive out of downtown Detroit. And there is probably few places harder to work from what I've ever seen anywhere because the motivation was fear. And if you messed up, they made a public spectacle of you. That you let something happen and it cost the company much money or cost people time or whatever it is. They would make a public spectacle of you. But I tell you one thing, it motivated because you never did it again. You didn't want to be publicly humiliated. But the church way is not necessarily motivating by fear. The church says admonish in private. Fraternal correction is always humbling, but it should never be humiliating. Interesting, don't admonish via Facebook, blogs, Twitters, speak one-on-one. People on the social media are hiding behind them like rocks, throwing grenades and then hiding back behind the rock. Then they just come out to throw a grenade and then they hide behind a rock. Anonymous names and things like that. All right, so to finish, remember, before doing these things, do what we all need to do first. Especially, for instance, like with people that you want to help. Have masses said. Pray the rosary and the chaplet for them. Offer your sufferings for them. Treat them with love. The greatest obstacle to our salvation is sin. So we must be ready to resist sin ourselves and then help others to do it. Pray then, if they're not, that their hearts are opened. That's why some say, and I'll finish with this, that actually some say to give communion to a sinful politician is needed, that we have to do that because we don't know their heart. And to some sense, that's true. If somebody comes to me for Holy Communion, I don't know if they just repented coming up before that communion. They could have repented in the parking lot and that's why they're coming up. However, that being said, Our bishops are meeting right now, and one of the big issues on the docket is regarding giving Holy Communion to politicians who support abortion. And so my personal view on this is things change, however, when they make a personal public statement. Now they've made it a public issue. A personal issue has now become public. When they publicly proclaim abortion should be law, They now enter into a profession of one's position. that is contrary to the will of God. This would then warrant, in my opinion, I'm not speaking for the church. I'm not speaking for my provincial or my community. I'm talking my opinion as a priest. I would not give them Holy Communion. Now, if this is not their public statement, and there's a chance they could have repented, then yes, I do give them Holy Communion. But if they are publicly professing that the life should be taken in the womb and that this is the law of the land as it's been stated, then no, you've already forfeited that by making it a public. Well, that's my personal view. You've made it public, all right, that they are not in a state of grace. And we cannot desecrate the Eucharist receiving outside a state of grace without a beautiful act of contrition. Remember, if you're not in a state of grace, you can make a sincere act of contrition to be able to receive. But that act of contrition is not authentic if you continue to live in the state of sin. This is why if you go into the confessional, sometimes the priest can't give you absolution. If you don't agree to stop living in the state of sin, you are. So we have to know that. It is based on the action and confirmation of their heart to state as a politician, abortion should be the law of the land. In those cases, we have to tell them it's wrong. We have to. We had an employee and I I think it's a great story that we had a mass for our employees and one of our employees is living in a, in, in a, 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 a kind of a difficult situation And another one of our employees privately told me that they approached that person in private and said, you really shouldn't receive Holy Communion. But I'm not judging you, I'm not. I just would like to give you the church teaching on this. And the one employee explained to the other employee out of complete love what church teaching is. And employee A did it out of love Employee B, instead of getting angry, mad, and screaming judgmentalism, said, oh, my gosh, nobody ever told me that. I didn't know. You know who I look to for being responsible for the fault of that person not knowing? Me. Because I'm the director, I should have instructed and educated out of love. And here, one of the persons very close to me didn't even know that this was something that you couldn't receive Holy Communion. And this person was very grateful to the other employee. And I said, whoa, that's a lesson for me because she did my job. That's what I should have done, but always out of love. And so God bless you today. Great example of St. Aloysius Gonzaga who did this all out of love. He did, he did a lot of penitence for people who are living in sin. And you know, it's funny because the best way that we need to do it is love is the key. And I want to finish with a quote from book of James 520. If any among you wanders from the truth, boy, we don't see that today much, do we? <laughs> if any of, among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. That's a work of mercy. Amen. Amen. Alleluia. Alleluia.
1: Are you a Marian helper?